Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? Uh, dying. I think I had the flu. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to see it's not stopped you from smoking, just to uh, help clear your lungs out. Uh, and by Luke Perry as well, you're here. How are you? I'm well, Curzon. And uh, my God, the flu's back. Where, where's it been the past two years? Yeah, yeah. I haven't missed it, but... Welcome. Nice to see a, miss, a missing person case has yeah. been resolved. Welcome back, welcome back to normality. I, I have the flu. Not for long, of course, because the the new COVID variant will undoubtedly um, eradicate, or rather, the measures introduced because of the new uh, COVID variant, uh, originally called new variant, but now uh, Luke, you tell us, is called Omicron or something like that, which sounds like it might be from the Transformers film. <laughs> like that. Um, it sounds it sounds like a like a tech company like a future dystopian film yeah it doesn't sound like this is the future yeah. oh very good uh, yeah well i'm sure i'm sure the me- uh, measures introduced in response to this will soon eradicate the flu once again because it's it looks um likely that new measures will be introduced as a result in some places the eu and the us which isn't exactly brushing over small parts of the world uh, new quite drastic measures have already been introduced they've locked down all travel from southern african countries which is where they reckon this variant is coming from um and sajid javid um as you as one of you said before we started recording the, the big fan of uh, low state interference has said that the state must act quickly and at the earliest possible moment to prevent the uh, the variant from overwhelming um, this country and the NHS, which of course is already overwhelmed and is overwhelmed every year, actually, it happens. <laughs> All the more so now that we've locked it down for two years because of COVID. So that's where we're at at the moment. Another variant, just in case all the ones coming before weren't enough. Yeah, um, my, 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 my both. Well, well, I mean, first of all, my, my first response to seeing the uh, the Botswana variant was, huh, Botswana. I wasn't, I wasn't on my uh, checklist, I wasn't on my, on my bingo card. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had a similar reaction. It, it was just a uh, to review my Sky Sports betting account to see if the money had come rolling in. But no, I instead picked a different country. How foolish of me! Well, you, you mentioned Michael. You know the um, the idea of new restrictions. Well, that that's you know that's what's terrifying me. Not any new variant itself. You know, I, I I'm, I'm fairly certain that if I were to catch said variant, I would quickly vanquish it with my uh, superior immune system. Um, which has so far kept lung cancer at bay. Um, <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I was saying to I said this earlier on Twitter and to you guys just before we recorded. This is basically the uh, bio state renewing its terms and conditions, right? This feels like a hail mary. Um, it feels like you know, just when it seemed like uh, public uh, obedience with COVID dictat was hitting record lows and people were finally going enough, I'm getting my life back. They drop a new, you know, a, a new scare tactic, and that—that's sort of what this is. You know, the, we spoke about the same thing was about the the Delta variant. Same thing when you know there was footage coming out of India, people, you know, apparently dying in the streets. Say, say, same old thing. You know, it's just the people who have been given a inordinate amount of power in the last two years simply aren't ready to give it up. Mm. And I think that you know the press has a lot to answer for on things like this because the press knows that stories on. Um, the possibility of winter lockdowns, which a new variant at the end of November is uh, likely to provoke fears of, leads to a lot of clicks. So as a result, they they hype up the the danger of the new variant. You know, the headlines will read something like 
fears sparked by new variant or new potentially more deadly or scary variant or here we go again something like that before we actually know just how deadly or problematic or likely to hospitalize people the new variant is so it could turn out as um some will have already mentioned that it probably will that the variant is either just as um on the same level as previous variants uh, or uh, possibly um even less likely to produce people any form of harm yet before that's been established the the worst will be presumed because again that leads to the most clicks because it's it's what people don't want but they they like to read about um so i think they have a big part to play in all of this well the same thing happened last year you know when 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 um when when, when winter started you know sort of emerging that's when the press sort of turned the COVID uh, gears again and, and, you know, and pushed into lockdown. We, we do, to some extent, live in a media-run state. Uh, mm. the, pre- the press seemingly know that um, either the British government is uh, completely in bed with them or is completely terrified of them. W- whatever it is, the result is the same, which is that when they start to you know, put the idea out there of further lockdowns in the future, chances are it's going to happen. Well, it's like, think of like in the US and Trump, what it said for ages, you know, it, they, they always say that, that Trump was driven largely by the media. People wouldn't have known about him uh, or so rather wouldn't have um, realised um, that he was running for president if, if the media hadn't highlighted it so much. Sort of at every turn, talking about every comment he made, almost making his campaign a big deal before it even was one. Um, and it, it's, you can't help but feel the same about this where uh, COVID restrictions and variants are being turned into big deals before we know that they are. Uh, and possibly the, the over-referencing of them makes them a big deal uh, in the end, rather than their actual characteristics. Let's not forget that the, the press isn't acting on, on its own either, because if COVID goes away, of course, the press have to find new fear stories to get their clicks, get their money and get their social status. But of course, if COVID goes away, all of these advisors and all the technocrats and all the politicians that have accumulated so much power over the last two years COVID disappears overnight and they have no more legitimacy left they have no reason to drive this fear up they have no reason to keep in the restriction they can harp on climate change which they probably will but that, that's of course why uh, these new variants are um, falling like confetti that's it and and by by saying you know it's time to move on past COVID what you're essentially asking um all the little Caesars to do is to give up their meal ticket, right? This, this is their, this is their entry into status into power. You know, they're not going to give that up. And you know, look at the, um, the, uh, the uh, signers from the uh, JCVI saying, you know, it's, it's Britain should expect to face more restrictions. That's what this press campaign's about. Whenever something new emerges with COVID, it's about two things. One is prepping the people who are, hang on every word and utterly loyal to the latest diktat and two it's preemptively breaking the will of vast waves of the sort of the dissident population in terms of covid rules because you know the, the ones who lack the mental fortitude to carry it anyway will just go oh well, no lockdown then so that that will break their spirit um given that this is in, in the press cycle I, I have no doubt that there's going to be some move towards lockdown in the next month or so, um, you know, with Christmas on the on the uh, on the horizon, you know, that's what makes this latest development so interesting. Is that you know it's a month before Christmas. Um, you know, like that seems to be where the uh, the end goal is to you know sort of lock down for Christmas, uh, which um, last year had such a disastrous effect on people's well being. You know, suddenly uh, you know, people's 
first time seeing family in months was snuffed, snuffed out. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I I think it's going to be a real test for the public because if lockdown is inevitable, then what's going to either make it succeed or fail is is whether or not the public um, you know sort of disobey or not, and I hope they do. I this time can't actually see it happening. I, I you know, after the, all the other lockdowns, I thought, yeah, I, I don't think this is the last. I think more restrictions will be introduced. And there was a period when I thought that vaccine passports would be introduced. And I know they haven't introduced, you know, a form of that by only allowing certain um, certain people to go into different professions, i.e. those who are vaccinated and in healthcare work and things like that. But I, I actually don't think that new restrictions will be introduced at this point. I think possibly even the government notices that that would be such a large step um, after after how we've lived for the past few months, essentially with no restrictions, really, in many senses. I understand there are restrictions on many aspects of our lives still, but to a, a great extent, you can go about day to day without having to do a lot of the things that we previously had to do. You can choose not to do them at this point. <laughs> Having the choice, of course, is, is ludicrous. It, it should be something that should was never forced in the first place, but you see what I mean. Um, so I, I don't think it is likely that new restrictions will be imposed, but um, it's true that every time a new variant is mentioned or uh, a different advisory body suggests we do introduce more restrictions, I do, uh, I do question that belief slightly and wonder whether actually we might be closer to new restrictions than I'd like to think. Well, this is what's interesting about about the UK is that if you look around Europe and parts of the USA and you know Oceania, we comparatively have more freedom in those places. Perhaps the only places in the world that have less diktats in place than we do are probably like, you know, red states in the USA. But um, the difference is that um, there's still a massive amount of mental and emotional abuse going on in the UK in that this freedom that we have is two things. One, we're constantly beat over the head with it by, you know, blue checkmarked uh, commentary individuals who, you know, they're disgusted, you know, how little mask wearing there is on the tube, that sort of thing. But also, um, you know, I've been saying since the last lockdown, but when the time did come for, for us to be, you know, free of restrictions, I wouldn't necessarily trust my own freedom anymore because I've been conditioned to think that um, the freedoms that I enjoy at the moment are uh, are, are dependent on, on my behaviour, you know. If we if we misbehave, we punish them back in lockdown. That, that's what that's what separates us from them is that um, while yes, we're not in lockdown and yes, there's no mask mandates, but the the constant threat um, of being punished if we don't you know go along with X and Y um, is what is what keeps that tyrannical flame alive in this country. And one man who has been threatening is or threatening all if we misbehave is Sajid Javid who says now the UK may not introduce more restrictions if this new variant arrives, but you must have your booster jabs. You must. And uh, when more booster jabs become available and they've cut through all the old people we have, um, then it will just be like the other two vaccines, just pressured to have the booster jabs. And uh, we've seen this, the strong arm in continental Europe of, um, for example, in Austria, when um, the... Uh, the, your vaccine pass expires after nine months, at which point you have to get a booster jab. So that cycle will go on, go on indefinitely. And um, although perhaps not for a, a few weeks or months, I, I can see just this state ramping up its power. And maybe this is just 
national cultural traditions the continent has always been more centralized and authoritarian and collective in nature but of course lockdowns and a vaccine passports in some areas have come to the UK as well so um, I certainly don't see sunlight on the horizon no no you know and I I, you mentioned anything about the booster I've seen articles coming out of um, the American legacy media saying you know like you'll never be fully vaccinated You'll only be temporarily vaccinated, you know, and that's that. That's kind of the fallacy impact you make when you do get the jab, which is that you you sign up to an endless tether, you know, of of your your status as a uh, as a privileged individual, being able to you know go to the pub and go to the sports games and that sort of thing is is you know dangled in front of you by saying you know oh in two months your your vaccine expires, so better get you better get your booster. Well, it isn't just stopping at the the bread and circuses. These vaccine passport restrictions. There was a um. An Irish politician saying that the vaccinated should be banned from a supermarket, so online Tesco shopping for them, I assume. And uh, so that, that's what happens. It's the net just gets ever wider, more, more restrictions get added. That's it's what happens when you give people too much power. And as I say, no end in sight. It made me laugh, by the way, the, the Austrian restrictions, uh, since you mentioned, mentioned Austria. Um, Austria was sort of the first country, wasn't it, to announce a full vaccination of the, uh, sorry, a full lockdown of the unvaccinated only. Uh, and you know, then Germany suggested it might do the same along with uh, a host of other countries. But less than a week after, Austria sort of admitted the stupidity of that um, whole idea by saying, actually, we're going to enter a full lockdown. Now, of course, that idea itself is also stupid because it presumes uh, that they work when there's plenty of evidence to suggest the opposite. Um, but the fact that you know, those who supported a lockdown of the vaccinated then moments later said, no, we'll lock down everybody, shows that their whole argument about the distinction between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated isn't true and that they know that. They know that the vaccinated also pass on the virus they know that the vaccinated can also still catch the virus um, and the people who are vaccinated are still dying from the virus so the whole idea that uh, just locking down the unvaccinated as was their technique to, to sort of scare people into getting jab would work uh, is in their own estimation complete nonsense yeah see the thing that makes me uh extremely distrustful is the omission of negative testing from uh, entry, you know, because as you said, Michael, if you're vaccinated, you can still pass on the virus, you can still get the virus, you can still die of the virus. Um, the only the only people who can't spread COVID are people who, regardless of whether they're jabbed or not, haven't got the virus, you know. So if you bring in vaccine passports and say, you know, if you got vaccinated, you, you haven't even got to do a test, right? And you have a nightclub where somebody who's vaccinated but has COVID can enter, someone who isn't jabbed but doesn't have COVID can't. You know, that defies all logic to me. And again, it leads me back to the inevitable conclusion of what else is happening. Like, why did, Why is it so important that, not 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 that you don't have the virus, but that you are jabbed against it? Hmm. Well, because the, the regime needs its enemy. It, it need, needs a target. Now, I've, I've written about this point quite a bit, is that it's not just the disease which is the enemy. It is the people who are carrying it. That's yeah. why um, governments have, have got the stick out against their own people. And uh, it, considering what small minority is unvaccinated of the population of Europe, I think Austria and Germany are 90 plus percent fully vaccinated and the media just harp on about a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Look at these awful un- unvaccinated people. I, um, 
uh, news anchor in Germany just went on a massive tirade against unvaccinated people saying that they had ruined Christmas and they're responsible for these restrictions. So I wouldn't be surprised if that rhetoric ramps up again with this new variant, even though this is this variant is supposed to be, you know, the vaccine is supposed to be less effective against this variant. As, as I say, it, it needs its Goldstein. Yeah, but also there's a few things there. First of all, there are more cases now than there were this time last year. Well, the difference between now and last year is a, is a, is a vaccine, several of them. And two, in, in Africa, which is, you know, relevant in the, in, the, in the wake of this new variant, Africa is only, what, 6 or 7% vaccinated, yet their COVID rates are the lowest in the world. Yeah, well, um, Africa, another one, much bigger problems to deal with than COVID. And uh, secondly, um, Africa has very, very young populations. They're uh, developing, in some cases, in industrialising economies. And... Uh, if you see what a natural population pyramid looks like, there's a hell of a lot of young people and very few people in their 80s. The UK and most of Europe had the complete reverse of that. It was a baby boom after the Second World War, then fertility dropped off a cliff. And uh, I know um, some African countries are launching vaccination campaigns, but it's really not the, the top of the agenda. And they're not seeing people dying in the streets. And cholera and distress are still much bigger diseases. Now, one of the uh, the topics then we'll move on, which has been um, sort of missed out uh, during the whole focus on COVID. And we've not actually talked about this in quite a long time because it's sort of gone under the radar, but cancer and missed cancer referrals. Um, well, it's it's come slightly back into the radar today with uh, the Macmillan Cancer Support Charity highlighting that close to 50,000 diagnoses of cancer have been missed since the beginning of uh, lockdown, in its own estimation, about 50,000. So, you know, we, we hear talk constantly about the NHS being overwhelmed by the patient backlog, which I think is, what, nearly 6 million now? is likely to go over six million by the end of the new year at least um but that's not even including many of these people who have yet to even go to uh get a checkup and be told they have cancer um so when these people do go to the nhs they'll find they're in uh, an even bigger problem than they originally thought and there's a massive lack of um of NHS specialist nurses for cancer as well already, um, which will partly be driven by the fact, again, we've focused only on COVID for the past close to 20 months, something like at least. Um, and what Macmillan says is that in order to get rid of this backlog of, of, um, of, of cancer in the UK, which hasn't even been diagnosed yet, you'd need uh, the NHS to work at a capacity of, I think it is 115% for 13 months consecutively in order to tackle the problem, which we know isn't going to happen uh, on this issue, because the focus isn't uh, cancer in any case. It's COVID and uh, nothing else at this moment at least really matters. Well, you can you can pause the the man-made organs of society. You can close shops, you can close businesses, you can, you can, you can close schools, universities. You can, you can, you can, you know, obviously it'll be a disaster, but you can pause an economy. But what you can't pause is naturally occurring things like the emergence of of you know cancer in certain individuals you can't you know you can't dedicate everything um to fighting covid like you're in a sort of state of total war and not expect there to be disastrous consequences you know for what over a year people were turned away and you know and 
honestly, I'm I'd be very surprised if if there aren't you know a plethora of lawsuits coming in the, in the next couple of years. People who have lost relatives avoidably because of COVID hysteria gripping you know the one institution that is supposed to be for our health. You know, whereas the, the relationship has flipped on its head where now we reduce our quality of life down to its bare minimum in order to protect that rather than what a functional health service should do, which is protect us. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the main drivers for missed referrals was the fact that people were told for months on end every night at some points uh, in, in press conferences and on banners uh, seen on lots of city street corners when we were allowed to leave our homes, that is. Uh, that we must stay home in order to protect the NHS and save lives. Now, what that messaging did was tell people who, um, some of whom already had been diagnosed with cancer and saw their symptoms get worse, think, well, I'm not going to go and tell my doctor about this because one, he's under a lot of pressure already, and two, I don't want to catch COVID in hospital. And two, told people who uh, hadn't been diagnosed with cancer but had some symptoms um, symptoms which usually they might go and check up or symptoms which might be seen in normal checkups that were otherwise cancelled or delayed, just not get diagnosed, whatever. Um, so people were quite literally scared because of the government's campaign uh, to tell people to stay home and protect the NHS from going to the NHS. And as you say, Sam, burdening the NHS, which is a ludicrous idea that yes. somebody can burden the health service when... <laughs> Um, it's it's supposed to be there to protect people. Yeah, and it, and it seems now that the the state really doesn't want to care for the NHS at all. I mean, number one, it shafted it with this massive million millions long backlog, and second, come at the spring, it's going to sack all the unvaccinated healthcare workers. So, um, yeah, and, so yeah, uh, pre prepare for next winter to be the worst year ever. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, back onto on onto cancer. I mean, yeah, people in my family have, have 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 had it. Luckily, the ones you have have survived it. And and what I can tell you about cancer is the the best chance you have of beating it is spotting it early and getting it diagnosed as early as possible in the process. Because it because if it if it metastasizes and spreads to the rest of your body, your your chances of survival decrease massively. And what's happening is that people, you know, in in those lockdown months would have gone from having you know a, a chance of survival upwards of you know 70% to it being you know less than 20% because they just weren't couldn't see anyone you know because if you say you know because if you don't know for certain you have cancer but you say oh, okay well I'm getting really bad like equilibrium problems and chest pains they won't bring you in for that because you know as far as they're concerned you're a, you're a, a dirty leper and a vector of disease you know not not a not a human being and an Englishman who is entitled to be looked after by the British state yeah, no, it's quite right. And, you know, we're told, I was, well, I don't know if I was pleased to see it or not, actually, I almost said that. But it was interesting, I should say, to see that Sajid Javid almost admitted uh, in a press conference the other day um, that the government's messaging led to this problem. He was talking about how the backlog is likely to reach six million by New Year. And he said, this happened because we told people to stay home. They did as they were told. He admitted that. Um, so why there hasn't been more you know uproar about that that should have check it out. so why there hasn't been more uproar about that i mean people this should have dominated the the covers of the newspapers the government essentially admitting that people uh have died really because of its own uh fear campaign and it was a fear campaign it had specialist groups trying to work out what would work best in order to get people to follow the rules and 
fear was the answer. Uh, the government admitted this, barely covered it, it. You know, it features in the the tenth or eleventh paragraph of of news briefings rather than the the headlines as it should have done, and we all move on. Because the government funds the press, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it has done for the last couple of years with. Uh, <laughs> With a lot of advertisers not being able to operate because of lockdowns, we, we did actually see at some point the government, specifically the NHS, being the biggest uh, funder of uh, of sort of advertising campaigns, which, yes, does answer quite a few questions. It seems. And, and again, you know, if, if you want things to go back to normal, what that would require is people to give up their meal ticket. Right. Which they're, not, which, which they're not going to do. Like that's that's the Pandora's box we opened with the very first lockdown. You know, we you know I, I, I've said it before, but the 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 impact of the first lockdown on the um, on the constituent parts of the biostate would be akin to the first shot of heroin. You know, it's it's one shot and you're hooked, and it's you know from that point, people are addicted to the power they have, and you know, and they aren't going to give it up. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried, Sam, by the way, about saying things on the Week in Review that we've said before, because that, that seems to be the whole point of the Week in Review. <laughs> it's essentially sort of a, uh, for however many episodes we've been doing this, 50 or so episodes long series of the same topic, because that's very much the nature of oh, yeah, what the world's been like recently. Because we, we need to keep repeating it because, you know, we're in an insane world. And, you know, as the famous quote goes, insanity is characterized by the same thing happening over and over again with you know a different result being expected um well that yeah uh, do you remember when patrick valance um accused lockdown skeptics of insanity and he said remember that the definition he accused them of insanity for continuing to accuse lockdowns of making the problem worse or something like that uh, of continuing to argue that lockdowns should end and he said that's the definition definition of insanity repeating the same act and expecting a different outcome uh, which was an act of extraordinary um extraordinary sort of blindness of his own position which was to argue for lockdown after lockdown after lockdown expecting that something might change when clearly as we've seen nothing did nothing did so, yeah, well, that's that story. I think the, the last story you wanted to go on to, Sam, was was moving over to you. I mean, talking of repetition again, we've, um, you, well, you rather have written a, a very good piece on the, the Ollie Stevens affair. We've got a, um, a video coming out soon as well, which will cover the topic. Um, and we've we've seen, uh, you said, sort of a another episode, which in, in some cases sort of replicates what happened in the Ollie Stevens scenario. So I wondered if you wanted to, Talk about yes. that. Um, so, in the very first episode that we did of, of this podcast, um, back then we were going for a different formula where we'd each pre- prepare a new story and we'd discuss it at length. And <laughs> that's, the, when we more, that's when we were more uh... formulaic. Yes. Yeah, at length, quotation marks, underlined, <laughs> exclamation mark, in bold. Well, my fact check. My 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 story for the first uh, episode was about the uh, the murder of Ollie Stevens, um, which I I. Uh, wrote about a bit more in, in the article that you mentioned, uh, Michael, and uh, also in the video that will be coming out um, this this, this uh, Monday coming. Um, I I wrote about it from saying, you know, this is more than just a murder. This was a scandal. This was a, a, a snapshot of our broken and decaying society where, uh, you know, heinous acts like these are being devised by children. And in the article, I rather pessimistically said that there would be more, so many more, because the lesson hasn't been learned. This was, you know, it was treated as being, you know, a sad news story, not a not a once in a 
generation scandal akin to the you know the the murder of James Bolger, um, and it has happened again, and it's happened numerous times. You know, there's been uh, this year is on track to be the deadliest year uh, in terms of teenagers getting stabbed in London. Uh, this story comes from Liverpool, where uh, a 12 year old girl named uh, Ava White has been uh, stabbed to death uh, in Liverpool after a Christmas light switch on. Um, and again, it's just uh, the story is still emerging, but it would appear that the uh, the four boys uh, involved in this were between the ages of 13 and 15. I mean, think back to what we were doing at 13, 14, 15, you know. Modern Warfare 2, boys. Modern, yeah, Modern Warfare 2, or, you know, just, just not stabbing people, not killing yeah. people. I mean, it's it, it's such a it's such a horrifying snapshot of our society where you know a twelve year old could leave the home and not come back because of, because of, of a knife attack. Like it's it's it's, it's utterly people that age. Yeah. It's it's utterly utterly horrendous and it's so sad. And again, you know, it's just one of the great moral deficiencies of, of our time will go unanswered because once again, this is going to be treated like a news story not not a moment to stop and think about what's happening you know why is it that all of a sudden kids are glamorizing glorifying gang violence like why is that happening yeah should that be happening no it should of course it should be happening but 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 again what this is going to be this is what is what i pointed out in the article in the video which is that what this is it's it's a story on on the 10 p.m news that you watch you go oh how sad then you watch match of the day Mm. you know and then uh, but then, then the next day, you've forgotten about it, and you're thinking about, you know, what 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 other fleeting tragedy is in the news cycle? But I mean, a 12 year old girl has has been stabbed to death. Uh, in, you know, it, it's it, it's just it's it's horrifying. Um, and obviously, uh, details are still emerging as to what happened. But I mean, I think it's clear what happened, which is that teenagers um, in urban areas in the UK have had their minds completely rotted. By a number of things, by mass culture, by education, by um, lack of uh, proactive parenting. Um, because again, one thing I pointed out in the article was that um, parents have left the room because for the last 20, 30, 40 years, the image of the um, the hyper-involved, you know, quote-unquote helicopter parent has been ravaged by a cultural interpretation of the domestic tyrant, you know, the 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 the, the, the fascist in your home. Uh, and as a result, parents have been browbeat to the point where they just relinquish their kids to be raised by mass culture and mass education and look what it's doing to them. Mm. Well, as you said, Sam, the uh, news is still sort of emerging on this case. So I think you've you've probably said all there is to be said on that, but you... You reminded me of another story this week, which I'd like to mention briefly as well, which runs by a similar theme, which is you know a tragedy which uh, becomes simply a news report, uh, which we move away from until the next. And this is on the, the channel crossings, where this week, I think it was the, the most amount of people that have died in a single uh, sort of dinghy sinking uh, occurrence in a while, at least. 33 people died while attempting to cross the channel. Um, now, we've, this again will be seen as yet another, just simply a news report, which we move away from and will lead to people saying, oh, this is a, a topic we must stop. And, you know, we've got to make sure that the, the French authorities, as Boris would say, do more to prevent it. And the French would blame us, of course, in the usual turning and throwing. But it doesn't lead to people to actually think we need to get hard on this subject in order to stop it. 
from happening again and again and again, rather than saying, right, we've got to just stop these boats from coming. And those that do come, we've got to let them know you can't get in the country. We've got to turn them around or <laughs> something along those lines, not allow people simply to enter the country uh, by that will. Otherwise, they'll continue to come and they'll continue to die trying to do so. And, and the traffickers will continue to make a lot of money at the same time because, you know, it's, it's great business for them. It's lax on the topic as it is. The, the government incentivized it, you know. Yeah. When you when you let people get away with something that's illegal, you incentivize it. You know that's why there's issues right now in America with with um, you know mass burglary events because part parts of America have decriminalized theft to a misdemeanor, and it's you know so you now you can get away with it. So so, you, so you, you're gonna do it, right? Yeah. The, the the government has done absolutely nothing apart from impotently stomp its feet to stop this. You know, every week Pretty Patel says some asinine nothingness about what they're going to do about better do nothing about it. because when you arrive on a boat you get ferried into shore by the by the coast guard you get put in a nice hotel you get given a phone given a stipend to spend um and so more and more are coming i mean this is a record-breaking year for that kind of thing and honestly with the amount of boats that have been coming i'm surprised it took this long for, for, for yeah. something for, for something obviously i'm not going to sit here and and you know tell the deceased that they, they deserve it because as far as i'm concerned the, the dead are off limits but um, I mean, this tragedy was it was inevitable because the government has done nothing to disincentivize this mass movement of people. Yeah, it speaks to get votes, and then for some ideological reason, opens the entire world for Britain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's got to be said that the you know the migrants themselves uh, can't can't I don't think at least uh, bear the brunt of uh, responsibility for the ongoing problem because it's the government which has allowed them to do it. The government have said to these people, essentially, you can uh, cross the channel and we will home you. So if that's the message from the government, it's hard then to accuse accuse these people who, let's be honest, are putting themselves at extreme lengths, um, accuse them of being in the wrong. I think it's completely the government's fault um, for, for allowing this to continue. Um, and I think the, you know, the deaths of these people are essentially on the government's hands, because if it weren't for the government's completely lax position, uh, then this wouldn't happen. If, of course, a boat had tried to cross the channel, the government's position uh, statedly was that people can't come in. And if it actually, uh, when people arrived, either sent them back or, or, or didn't assist them in any case, then you wouldn't be able to blame the government because clearly the migrants came knowing that they wouldn't be welcomed in any case. But given the government's current position of welcoming people, homing them, um, and going out and saving them essentially um you you can't say it's anybody's but but the government's fault as a result of that so i think on that um have, having mentioned a few stories tonight we'll we'll call it a day this is the second time i think we've recorded a week in review episode late on and i can see the yawns coming out of the screen so <laughs> including for myself I, just I, need, I need a, i need a very long flu sleep after this Yes, so we'll, we'll call it a day. We hope you enjoy listening. Thanks as always and join us again next week. Cheers.